Chapter Fourteen of Isabel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Isabel, a Romance of the Northern Trail by James Oliver Curwood. Chapter Fourteen The Snowman. After his return from the scene of burial, Billy undressed, put out the light, and went to bed. He fell asleep quickly, and his slumber was filled with many dreams. They were sweet and joyous at first, and he lived again his first meeting with the woman. He was once more in the presence of her beauty, her purity, her faith and confidence in him. And then more trouble visions came to him. He awoke twice, and each time he sat up, filled with the shuddering dread that had come to him at the graveside. A third time he awakened, and he struck a match to look at his watch. It was four o'clock. He was still exhausted. His limbs ached from the tremendous strain of the fifty-mile race across the barren, but he could no longer sleep. Something, he did not attempt to ask himself what it was, was urging him to action. He got up and dressed. When Pelletier awoke two hours later, McVeigh's pack and sledge were ready for the trip south. While they ate their breakfast, the two men finished their plans. When the hour of parting came, Billy left his comrade alone with little Isabel and went out to hitch up the dogs. When he returned, there was a fresh redness in Pelletier's eyes, and he puffed out thick clouds of smoke from his pipe to hide his face. McVeigh thought of that parting often in the days that followed. Pelletier stood last in the door, and in his face was a look which McVeigh wished that he had not seen. In his own heart was the dread and the fear, the thing which he could not name. For hours he could not shake off the gloom that oppressed him. He strode at the head of old Kazan, the leader, striking a course due south by compass. When he fell back for the third time to look at little Isabel, he found the child buried deep in her blankets, sound asleep. She did not awake until he stopped to make tea at noon. It was four o'clock when he halted again to make camp in the shelter of a clump of tall spruce. Isabel had slept most of the day. She was wide awake now, laughing at him as he dug her out of her nest. "'Give me a kiss,' he demanded. Isabel complied, putting her two little hands to his face. "'You're a, a little peach,' he cried. "'There ain't been a whimper out of you all day. And now we're going to have a fire, a big fire.' He set about his work, whistling for the first time since morning. He set up his silk service tent, cut spruce and balsam boughs until he had them a foot deep inside, and then dragged in wood for half an hour. By that time it was dark, and the big fire was softening the snow for thirty feet around. He had taken off Isabel's thick, swaddling coat, and the child's pretty face shone pink in the fire glow. The light danced red and gold in her tangled curls, and as they ate supper, both on the same blanket, Billy saw opposite him more and more of what he knew he would find in the woman. 
When they had finished, he produced a small pocket comb and drew Isabel close up to him. One by one he smoothed the tangles out of her curls, his heart beating joyously as the silken touch of them ran through his fingers. Once he had felt that same soft touch of the woman's hair against his face. It had been an accidental caress, but he had treasured it in his memory. It seemed real again now, and the thrill of it made him place little Isabel alone again on the blanket, while he rose to his feet. He threw fresh fuel on the fire, and then he found that the warmth had softened the snow until it clung to his feet. The discovery gave him an inspiration. A warmth that was not of the fire leaped into his face, and he gathered up the softened snow, raking it into piles with the snowshoe. And before Isabel's astonished and delighted eyes there grew into shape a snowman almost as big as himself. He gave it arms and a head, and eyes of charred wood, and when it was done he placed his own cap on the crown of it and his pipe in its mouth. Little Isabel screamed with delight, and together, hand in hand, they danced around and around it, just as he and the other girls and boys had danced years and years ago. And when they stopped there were tears of laughter and joy in the child's eyes and a flimsy mist of another sort in Billy's. It was the snowman that brought back to him years and years of lost hopes. They flooded in upon him until it seemed as though the old life was the life of yesterday, and waiting for him now just beyond the edge of the black forest. Long after Isabel was asleep in the tent, he sat and looked at the snowman and more and more his heart sang with a new joy until it seemed as though he must rise and cry out in the eagerness and hope that filled him. In the snowman, slowly melting before the fire, there was a heart and a soul and voice. It was calling to him, urging him as nothing in the world had ever urged him before. He would go back to the old home down in God's country to the old playmates who were men and women now. They would welcome him, and they would welcome the woman. For he would take her. For the first time he made himself believe that she would go. And there, hand in hand, they would follow his boyhood footprints over the meadows and through the hills, and he would gather flowers for her in place of the mother that was gone and he would tell her all the old stories of the days that were past. It was the snowman. End of chapter 14 Recording by Roger Moline